On today's podcast from the North Wahala Church of God, Pastor Neil continues the study of the tabernacle, focusing on the brazen altar. Today's lesson is from Wednesday, February 28, 2018. Now here's your speaker, Pastor Neil Nolan. Just remain standing for a moment if you have your Bibles. Let's go to the book of Exodus, chapter 27. The book of Exodus, chapter 27. I know it's raining outside and and a lot of you seem like you have the weight of the world on you right now. As Anthony said, we have two families that are dealing with loss. One a sister, another a parent right now. Church has responded. Ministers are going to be at funerals. But also, I just want for 30 seconds, 30 seconds, I want you to take the world off of you. And quit, don't worry about your problems. You shouldn't worry anyway. We should be worshiping. But as your pastor, for 30 seconds, can we just, just take everything off? and say, God, I'm in your presence tonight, and I want to spend time with God the Father. Can we do that tonight? Would you grab the person's hand beside of you and do it together? Let's touch and agree. Father, tonight, God, we're in your sanctuary, and people are tired. I see that. Lives and ball and family and practices and deacons meetings and church services, job and boss and bills and God, doctor's appointments. Everything seems to be taking place, but Father, in here is where we come, God, to hear from you and touch you and be touched by you. So Father, we come in your presence tonight. I'm, I'm asking as pastor, God, to the people I love, people I do my best to serve, God, can we just lay everything aside right now? And God, you're gonna speak to us tonight and revive us. And when we leave here, we can say it's been good to be in God's house with God's people. And everybody said, look to your neighbor and tell them they look good in God's house tonight. Would you do that? Feel better already. Amen? Feel better already. Let's go to the Word. Exodus chapter 27. It'll be on the screen for you, verse 1. I'm sorry. Verse 1. You shall make an altar of a cale wood, five cubits long, five cubits wide. This is big. I'll break this down for you in a moment. The altar shall be square, and its height shall be three cubits. This is not a small piece of furniture. In fact, the others can fit in this. You shall make its horns on its four corners. How many of you ever heard of somebody saying, I'm gonna grab a hold of the horn of the altar? Anybody? Anybody? Some of my people over here, some of the older saints. Anybody else out here? Younger people have no clue, but that's okay. We'll talk about it, amen. And the horn shall be one piece with it, and you shall overlay it with bronze, and you shall make it pans to receive its ashes, and his shovels and his basins and his forks and his fire pans, and you shall make all his utensils of bronze. You shall make a great fort, a network of bronze. And on the network, you shall make four bronze rings at its four corners. You shall put it under the rim of the altar beneath, that the network may be midway up the altar. All this is significant. And you shall make poles for the altar. Poles of the wood, overlaid them with bronze. Two more verses. The poles shall be put in the rings and the poles shall be on the two sides of the altar to bear it. You shall make it hollow with boards as it was shown you on the mountain, so shall you make it. Tonight, as we continue the series on the tabernacle, I wanna talk about the altar, the brazen altar tonight. And I believe this will resonate with us. I'm gonna do my best to get to a certain point, knowing that I may have to pick up next week, 
but I'm really excited about this lesson tonight. It really spoke to my heart, and I believe it's going to speak to yours as well. Amen. As you're being seated, look to your neighbor and say, neighbor. Tell them, say, neighbor. Say, you've got to go by the altar. I have a friend named Bishop Hector Vasquez, not Jose Vasquez, but Hector. Hector now pastors the New Direction Church on the east side of Camden, going to Cassett. He is a wonderful pastor, bishop in the Church of God, Hispanic man, 21 years in the Air Force, just a prince of a man. Served me as my associate at, at two different places of ministry. But one thing amazed me about him, Tiffany, that I didn't understand. Anytime that he would come in the church, Joe, him and his wife, they would speak to nobody. Michelle, and they just walk in, not rude. They would nod. They might would say, hey, and they make straight way, darling, to their pew. Once they got to their pew, Tony, they would kneel down and they would spend time by themselves. I don't care what was going on. President, didn't matter. General overseer, didn't matter. Pastor Nolan walks in, didn't care. They spent a few minutes by themselves. It was not for show. It was not for anybody because if it was a prayer meeting, hot dog sale, it did not matter. They come by the altar, they come by their pew, they bow and they would pray. Get up from that, shake hands, and go on about their business. But he has a Catholic background, and in that background, they are taught to never sit before they kneel. They always kneel when they come in church and look at the cross. And it's not just Catholicism. In most of your liturgical churches, they have all kinds of symbolism. Now stay with me, because symbolism by itself is not enough. But they have all kinds of symbolism that they pray or they go by an altar of some form before they enter into worship. Now listen, we Pentecostals are no different. In Pentecostal worship, back a long time ago in our history, our services were never started at six or at 11 or at seven. Our services always started in a back prayer room somewhere, a brush harbor meeting. Five o'clock, Sherald Church of God, pastor would have us in a prayer meeting. If you were a young preacher, he didn't ask you to go. You, you knew better. You went to prayer meeting. And Brother Wade, we would go to a prayer meeting and then go into worship. Sometimes we'd come out of that prayer meeting, we're about to have church. Because we already had church, you understand? And it was that symbolism so much that something that we would pray and seek God's face before we thought we had a right to go right into worship and say, God, I praise you, I love you, and all this kind of stuff, which is fine. But when there was something about this, and it gave this thought, Anthony, repentance before worship. Repentance before worship. See, there's this thing about God because he's so loving and he's so wonderful and, and people call him daddy and they say they sit on his lap and while all that may be true in your mind, there is still something great about God too is that not only is repentance demanded and it is needed, God has made a way that we can repent and come into his presence. Something is wrong today. We've got this thing backwards. Think about even our church. How many people, I'm not talking about the lost, I'm not talking about the, the heathen so like I was. I'm talking about people who go through the motions and they really don't have things right and they're struggling so they have been taught to fake it and maybe, just maybe, if they sing the right song or the preacher preaches just right, I might be so moved to go to the altar of God. We got this thing backwards. Priority in the tabernacle was given to the altar first and not last. 
Hello? The altar was set up first. My, my friend Hector taught me this. I understood what he was doing. He was praying to God. God, thank you for your mercy. God, thank you for your grace. God, thank you for your forgiveness. If I have any sin in my life, God, I repent of that sin right now. I want my family to receive today. We, we have an offering in our pocket. We're bringing our very best to you because you've given your very best to us. And it was something about his life that marked my life because he told me not just to rush into God's presence without first understanding that this God is still a holy God. This puts a premium on the fact that the altar is the only place to be for us to get prepared for worship. Now, you and I talked about this before church. What does that look like? Is it just the altar down here? No, no. You can have an altar at your home. You can have that place of prayer in your closet, in your car, but it cannot be haphazard and it cannot be casual and it cannot be justified because you're busy so you bypass it. There is a place for all of us tonight to understand just what God did for us in the sacrifice to allow us to come boldly into the presence of the Lord whereby we might obtain mercy. The Old Testament saints did not have this privilege. They just couldn't run into the most holy place and say, God, forgive me of my sins. No, they would have lost their life. Modern church, we, we're missing this. Here we are at this altar made ready for his presence. This allows us to go past shallow waters of worship. Why will people not worship anymore? Leave it there, please. Thank you. As we enter into the eastern side of the tabernacle, we come through the multicolored gate, and the first thing we see is this big, magnificent altar. Leave it right there, please. This altar stands there. Why? Because the altar allows for us to flow in a spirit of genuineness, whereby we can be changed and transformed. How many times did I sit, April, as a young teenage boy struggling with some private sin and I would say things like this, if he would just hush so I could get to the altar. No, okay, nobody else has ever been there. That's all right, it's just me, amen. I would literally pray, Pastor, you did a good job when you said turn in your Bibles because I felt the convicting power of the Holy Ghost and if I could get you to hush, I might make my way to the altar and be forgiven of my sins. It was something about the Spirit of God that would do that. But what I've learned now as I've grown in the Lord is that I don't have to wait for the preacher to preach to make my way to God. I can go to God for myself now. That middleman was already done away with and the one true middleman stands there as a deacon that says, come, 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 but come by me into the presence of the Lord. Let me, let me go. When we look at the tabernacle, you first come to the eastern side. As we make our way on this journey and we come through the gate as we are journeying westwards, very symbolic there, there stands this altar. Now let me break this down. This altar has many names. It's the altar of Shittim wood. It's known as the altar. The altar of the burnt offering. The altar by the door of the tabernacle. Some call it the altar of God. Others call it the table of the Lord because of the portion of meat that was placed there and then the meat that would actually be given back and they say it's almost as God has offered us a table to us. But here's the most important part in my mind so far. There's, this tabernacle is divided into two sections. Eastern side that's facing downward to us and western side. The reason that this is so powerful, the eastern side contains the brazen altar and then the laver, 
Okay, you see that? The first two, and then we go to the, the later a few weeks from now, because I'm gonna stay here for a while. But the first two pieces of furniture you see right here, this is the eastern side of the tabernacle. This represents to us preparation in worship or for worship. The western side there represents, was the most holy place, represents participation in worship. But notice where the gate is. The gate's not on the western side. The gate's on the eastern side. The gate is by the altar, then by the laver, that allows us to go past the halfway point into the western side. Why, pastor? Because you've got to prepare for worship before you participate in worship. Come on, somebody. But brother, no, how can sinners, I'm not talking about just sinners in the in general terms. When I say that, you're saying, but how can that drunkard come into God's presence? I'm gonna show you how in a few moments. But the part I'm trying to prove is this. You and I, we know better. We know better. What would happen Sunday morning? We had like over 400 Sunday. What would happen if 400 people showed up and 400 people came by the altar first and came and stepped on this holy place, this sacred place? I'm gonna tell you what's gonna happen. There is gonna be a reigning of the, the presence of Lord like we've never seen in this house. The glory of God is gonna come in this place. And I'm telling you, I believe people would be healed. I believe people would repent of their sins. Listen to me. I believe leaders would repent of their sins. I believe casualness and complacency and bitterness would fall if we would go by God's presence and repent and say, God, I've come to you as a more man. I know I've made some mistakes, but I plead the blood of Jesus Christ over my life so I can come into your presence. The center now of the eastern part is, is where the altar is at. And in, I should say, in the eastern part here, in the center of it is where the altar is placed. In the center of the western part, however, was facing north toward you there is the most holy place. And in its center is the Ark of the Covenant. One, I wish I had a, a pointer tonight. One is a place of death. And one is a place of life. One is a place of death. One is a place of life, but they're connected. They're connected together. Let me move on. How are they connected, Pastor? Because blood connects them. If you see my little brother tonight, he kind of looks somewhat like me. Not as good looking, but somewhat like me. You understand? I'm here. He's there. But DNA, cause of blood, connects us. These two are separated, but they are connected because somebody's blood is powerful enough to say, I can get you from here to there. I felt the Holy Spirit in this house. Not my blood, not preacher. No, I'm not trying to be king. I don't need a trophy and I'm not trying to impress. I think you should know that by now. I'm not the most polished, polished and not the best looking by far, but I do study his word. And I'm telling you, the blood allows me to get from here to there. Anthony, I can't go there. That's the most holy place. 
That's the place where people fall dead in his presence who have sin in their life. That's the place only reserved for a few. I can't go there. I can't. I can't go there. Why? Because I'm a man. But how, God? I want to be in your presence. You tell me your presence is the fullness of joy, God. I want that joy. I want that peace. But God, I can't. I'm, I'm, I'm in my sin, God. I can't. But I can. Why? Because what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Listen to me, the blood connects them. In between the blood though, is the water that's, that's coming. And the altar dominates the eastern half of the tabernacle. The centrality of this altar is not only significant, but it's also purposeful. The altar on this sanctified holy ground demands reverent action. Listen to me tonight. Your sin demands action. Nobody's going to know. Nobody. I'm not saved. I'm living in sin. It's my business. Your trespass. I have violated some law. Therefore, I have trespassed against God. Joe, who, who's your next door neighbor? She's your next door neighbor, okay? If Joe decides to extend his boundary of land in Salem, East Salem, if he decides to extend that, he has violated her right and trespassed against her. I know her. She will shoot him. I know that to be true. <laughs> you understand tonight that by your sin, willful sin, your sin that you've done, Pastor, I didn't know. Yes, yes, there comes a place where you know that's, you have to know. If you don't know, then it's not sin. He to know if to do good and to do it not to him and is accounted as what? Sin. That place where you violate, it demands action. Why? Because this is a foreshadowing of Calvary's cross. This is a foreshadowing of Calvary's heel that demanded action for all, all time, for history. That cross upon Calvary represents that there shall be no more brazen altar of the Old Testament because this lamb that was placed upon this altar and this cross will be sufficient now, past history, and forevermore. Praise God in Jesus' name. You can't come to God's presence today without first going by the cross. Brother Nolan, somebody told me, but my mama can pay me. Somebody lied to you. I told you last week, the dead can't go through the gate. I can buy, I can buy Chris's way to heaven after he dies. No, you can't. Somebody stole your money. You should have gave that money to this church and paid for one of the new air conditioners that we just put in here. That money that you just gave to that person, they fooled you to appease your conscience, to make you feel better about a situation that is untrue. I'm telling you tonight, there's one way. The lamb that was slain upon Calvary's cross and that blood is sufficient for all time. St. Luther's Church, please. I, I love history and I love, I love the low country. I go by, I used to preach Buford, Hampton, Charleston, 
And I would always find the oldest churches. And I would, I, I would go to the islands where former slaves were there. And it was amazing to see how they worshiped by the Penn Center. Georgetown, one of the slave churches, actually has some of the, the prettiest glass that you've ever seen. And I would always go by because these are our brothers and sisters. And I, I want to see where they worship at. But if you ever go down in Charleston, your Lutheran churches, pretty much all the time, their doors are always painted what color? Red. Now, I know it's just symbolism, but it's symbolism that represent this, that if you're gonna come in, you gotta travel upon the blood. Saints of God tonight, there's only one way into his presence, through the blood of Jesus Christ. And I'm gonna tell you, I, I, I wanted to tone it down. I, I said, I, I don't need to be too gory tonight. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, you preach it the way it's listed. You represented the right way because it was a gruesome death. It's like you said earlier, Brother Darren, it wasn't this little lamb in the Old Testament. There is nothing but blood and animal and skin and sacrifice all around. This is not this pretty tabernacle by the brazen altar. It's still the blood. Why these symbols are only symbols. Spiritual substance is required for spiritual transformation, Doug, Mall, Doug Small said. The Hebrew word tonight for altar, it gives us the word mispus. It's called the place of slaughter or the slaughter place. Here in this tabernacle, can we go back to that picture? Here in this tabernacle, sin and sinner is consumed. And then the ashes are taking this leftover outside of camp. Funny story. I may have shared this before, but when I was, did my first revival, um, it was at the Pentecostal Holiness Church in Sherald. I watched T.D. Jakes back then. He was just starting out. He preached a message called the Red Heifer Offering. And so I, I saw that. I thought, oh, we're going to do that. So we had this great revival. 22 people got saved. And then me and the pastor, we set up this big old bonfire, this barrel. We told everybody who got saved, bring your sin to the church. And we were going to burn it. Remember, I I'm, I'm barely started preaching, not knowing what's about to take place. Pornography, alcohol, drugs, $3,500 worth of records, KISS, ACDC, whatever. They're bringing all this stuff in. Town drug dealer comes, bringing his drugs there. They take pictures of it, and one of the pictures, I'll bring it back, my mother has it. There's nothing there. It looks like it's a bad picture. And she went to throw it away, and the Holy Spirit said, don't throw that away. This is not looking into a fire, I'm not making it up. One picture, you see me and Brother Lambert. Next picture, there's nothing. But over to the right, you can see almost what looks like a demonic devil. I'm not playing. It was amazing, that service. Fighting the gates of hell. Everybody left. Pastor said, all right, young preacher, what are we going to do? I'm going home. He said, no, you're not going home. It's, it's three in the morning. I'm going home. He said, young preacher, you must not read the, the rest of the Old Testament. I said, what do you mean? He says, the priest will take care of the ashes. And the priests have got to take it somewhere and we can never tell anybody. And we're going to separate the ashes from the people symbolically. Okay? And we did that. You know what that means? When those ashes are taken out of the tabernacle, not left there, it is symbolic to sin and sinner that is consumed that when God forgives us of our sin, it takes us through the blood covenant of the Lamb. 
He doesn't leave it in our face for the devil to push it back in our face to remind us of how ungodly we were of the affair, of the abortion, of the lie, of the filthiness of the flesh. It's removed from us in the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank God that God takes my sin away tonight. <laughs> the altar represents the principle of sacrifice. And today, listen to me, I've got 15 minutes. The principle of sacrifice, it is the foundation for all worship. But today, and listen to me, I'm not preaching that it's gotta look the same way it did in 1970. That's not what I'm saying at all. But we have removed the altars in the church. We have taken out the place of prayer and repentance. Nothing's more beautiful to me to see a sinner repent and we shout around the altars of God. True? How many churches today have nowhere for anybody to even come and pray? Today, I, the way we pray and visit the altar is probably one out of mere convenience. If it's convenient, we'll pray. Don't get quiet on me. Let's talk about this. Look to your neighbor and say, I'm glad he's moving on. You do that? My family, and I miss this, we've got to bring our sacrifice. It is my offering that I'm bringing. You remember when I preached on Saul to the kids the other night? When they said, I know a seer, I know a man, I know a man by the name of Samuel. What was his first response? I have no offering. In the Old Testament, they knew better, Ralph, to ever come to God's presence without an offering. First thing the man of Saul says, I don't have anything to give to the man of God. I'm not asking you to bring me anything because really this is not about money in the New Testament. It's about your heart. But it's the principle that they would bring a sacrifice. Nobody would dare come to God in the Old Testament without an offering. Offering is the high point of worship. Offering is the high point of worship. Not just the symbolic of taking up the offering, but the offering. The offering. Offering of the money is one part of the offering. I want you to get this. When I sing the sacrifice of praise, when my family's in disarray, I am offering my worship in spite of what I see. Because what I don't see, I know to be true. And what I do see, I know to be a lie. I am offering up my worship. I am offering my family. Well, Brother Nolan, I don't think it's important to bring my family to church. Do you regret, Anthony, putting you on the spot? Do you regret bringing her to church now? She's 21, 3, and 23 years of age with her husband in church now. Do you regret bringing her when she was a child? No. No. I'm offering up my family as a part of worship. This is my worship. We have so many idols. I'm gonna preach on this Sunday morning. We have so many idols. We'll make our kids go to the ball game. We'll make our kids go out and have fun. We'll make our kids and worry about them being outcasts with their friends. And then when it comes to church, we will conveniently fit them in if there is time on the calendar. We're offering them up to the world instead of offering them up to God. Oh, I feel you tonight. 
And every offering, we are to place all that we are and all that we have. It's not a tithe I'm preaching of. It's not money so much. It's all that I have, I offer it up to you. Everything, my beautiful wife, my children, my dog, my house, it all belongs to you, God. Nothing that I have. We always say, well, you know, God just wants 90%. That's not true. God already has it all. You have none of it. The altar represents the offering of total surrender. Never give to God. Listen to me. Have we paid our tithes yet? You don't pay tithes. I've said it. It's just easy. You don't pay tithes. It's not a bill that you're checking. Have you paid tithes with it? You better pay them, preacher. You're going to get mad. Preacher's not looking at you. I'm not chasing after your money. It is your offering. Sister Nolan and I are not dealing in 10%. I'm not giving God the bare minimum when God's given me his best. Bishop Joe Grice taught me that. I was tithing to the Lord and I was mad because I could use that $40 back then. And I didn't have money left over. He said, why are you giving God your money anyway like this? I said, I'm supposed to. Preacher needs a new car or something, I guess. He said, son, this is your worship. When he began to teach me that this is just that much of my offering, oh, it changed. Pastor, why is that so important? Because God gave you his best when he offered us his son. And God wants giving people. Churches that refuse to give are churches that are about dead. I know a couple churches that have Tons of money, but no people. No people. They'll put money in their graveyards, but they won't build a gymnasium because black people might come. Get quiet. Don't get quiet on me now. So now instead of running 200 like they used to, they run 20. But those 20 are happy. Their kids are not in church. Their grandkids are not in church, but they're in charge. Don't even want a preacher. Don't even want. We'll, we'll get somebody to preach what we want to hear anyway. Why we got to pay a preacher? But we'll just say, you know what we want to hear? Pat us on the back. Just go out there and tickle our ears. Then Paul tells Timothy, you watch out when that day comes. When that day comes, they will not endure sound doctrine. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. They will not endure sound doctrine. But they would like to have those people that will whisper and tickle their ears to tell them what they want to hear. Oh my, we're living in that day. But I'm coming to preach to somebody. I actually come to teach to somebody tonight that God's looking for giving people who will take their family by the altar and say, God, I offer you the very best I have. I offer you Aiden and I offer you Ashton and I offer you Bailey and Jessica and mom and dad and Robbie and Brandon. I offer you my family. It's all yours. The business, the money, the cars, my body, my mouth, my ability, my talent. It's all yours anyway, God. I come by this first so I can then later go This, Romans 12 and 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is what? 
Oh, that's hard, Pastor. I just can't do that. I can't give you my body because I want to do this on the weekend. And Oh, Pastor, I can't do that. I can't do that. It's too tough to live holy. It's too tough to live godly. It is in your own flesh, Romans 7. But Romans 8 says, all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord. But how? You can't just take that by itself. If you preach Romans 8, 28 by itself, then you've, you've, you've done an injustice to the scripture because I, you can't just pull that verse out and claim it for yourself. That verse is for people that walk in the spirit. That's good teaching right there. That verse is for people who walk in the spirit. That's how I'm able to present my body because what I can't do in the flesh, I can't do through the power of the Holy Spirit. This means dedication. That word dedication in the Hebrew means to press. That means when you're going to offer up this sacrifice, you press in. Second Chronicles 75 uses the picture. It means not to stand back, but to be aggressive in your offering up to God. The Greek word means renewal. It means personal interaction. It's almost like God takes this brazen altar. We go through Christ Jesus then in Romans 12, the writer says, I want you to present now yourself. We don't need a lamb. He was sufficient as the lamb. So now what do I offer? I climb up on the altar. Not for redemption, but for my offering. And I say, God, you can have all of me. She sung it earlier. I give myself away. I wish somebody would say amen tonight. I give myself away. I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to pick right up here next week. Take us back to Genesis and show you the first time that the animal sacrifice was made. This is the altar of God. I want to get to that last place, that holy place. I want to get there. Can I, come, can I climb over the linen can I cut a hole through the back gate? Can I go because my mama's holy? My grandma had a bun on her head. Surely I can just tell God that God, God, listen, my grandma paid tithes at North Wahala. I visited Alla Fair on Sunday. She's 103 years of age. Our oldest member. Can I go on her righteousness? I gotta go through the gate. <laughs> I don't know why, but right in front of there, there's nothing but blood and sacrifice and smoke and an altar. It's there for a reason, saints. It's let us know. I know what everybody's saying. One of the most powerful preachers when I first got saved. African-American preacher out west. Powerful. Now he's changed his theology. He says, God's not a God of judgment. God would never judge anybody. Everybody's going to heaven and you only go to hell if you want to go to hell. Saints of God, we're living in that day. You listening? You still got to go by the altar. You got to repent. We'll talk next week about the lamb and laying our hands on the lamb. We'll talk about the priest changing his garment. I'm trying to walk you down. And I hope tonight has laid that foundation. But thank God for the altar. Amen. Would you stand with me tonight, please? Hallelujah. Look to your neighbor and say, thank God for the altar.
I wanted to talk about the horns of the altar. We didn't get there, but we'll get there next week. Just for a show of hands again, anybody ever heard about the horns of the altar? I want to see the ages. No young people. We have one. He's from Tennessee. All right. I see Pastor God when our pastor's not. That's symbolic. I encourage you to study a little bit on that. If they study this out to you, I don't know the horns are there to hold the sacrifice, though. They do hold the sacrifice. But I'm going to give you a little twist on that next week on what I believe. So we'll study that. I love each of you. Be here Sunday morning. Special announcement about Easter Sunday morning. Uh, I think you'll be pleased on that. Be praying for our outreach. We have a huge outreach. Uh, we're working on a few things right now. Some of this is brand new stuff. Thank you to all those who helped visit our shut-ins. We visit a large number of shut-ins Sunday. Many of our ministers, people everywhere, our retired ministers are constantly visiting our shut-ins. But thank you, thank you so much to all of you that made the birthday party with Al Affair. Thank you for that as well. Many of our church was there. Uh, just a great sign for that. Uh, it was also an announcement, if you're interested in church softball, uh, Chris Burton is, is over it this year. Um, first time he's over it. Um, but you go meet with him. You'll love Chris if you don't know him already. Our college and career pastors, they're doing a great job. But meet with Chris, and I think Lacey is also helping maybe with the females. And we all know Lacey. She's a great girl. Amen? Amen. Sunday morning, get ready. Let's have church. Come in prepared. Come in prepared. Amen. You look good. Jose, you look good tonight. I love you too, Pastor. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your presence tonight. That was sweet. Have your way in our church. I'm not saying it has to look like it did 30 years ago. It's not what I'm preaching. I'm not saying that it has to fit in a certain manner. But what I am saying is this. It cannot be bypassed. It cannot be bypassed. I want to come in your presence. I can't do it on my own merit or my own flesh. That's arrogance of the flesh. And it's also a lie because the flesh is ugly. So I plead the blood tonight. I lay my hand on that animal. I give you my offering. I transfer it to that animal. And I lay my knife to it. And I give it to the priest. I place it upon that, that, that fire. I see it there, God. I leave it there, God, till it's done. And then, God, I watch the man of God take it away from me. And then I can go to the labor. God, tonight, have your way with our people. We love you. We give you praise. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. God bless you. You're free to go.